Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God that we hear this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So far the word of the Lord, sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. This is my paddle. I only have one. I don't know what happened to the second one. I think one of my brothers borrowed it and never returned it. It doesn't work so great for a canoe anymore. You can do it with one paddle, but usually two is better. But it does work as a tool of intimidation. The school kids know my paddle and fear it, right? Not so much. How easy would it be for me to, if I wanted to, clear this church out if I came out there swinging my paddle? How quickly would you run away? Well, it depends a great deal on how confident you are that I wasn't actually going to hit anyone. If you're not confident, you'd probably run away pretty quickly. If you are, you probably wouldn't move. We have before us today an account of, men, of a man who is confident. A man who is confident in Christ. And because of his confidence, he is able to stand in Christ. Is able to stand firm in Christ. When we are confident, it's easy to stand. When we give in to our doubts, we have a tendency to run away. In our text, you'll notice that when Jesus called the man, the crowd said to him, Be of good cheer. That's the New King James, the English translation. Other translations say, Be courageous. It's the same phrase in the Greek. It can be translated either way. It does literally mean uh, be brave, be bold, but it's often used in a context where it clearly means be of good joy. It shouldn't really surprise us that the same phrase can mean be courageous, stand fast, and be cheerful. Those two concepts go together, don't they? Those who are confident in the future, those who are confident about tomorrow can stand joyfully. If you're sure, if you're certain, if you're confident about tomorrow, if you don't have any worries, it's easier to be joyful. This man is joyful because he is confident in Christ. Notice how Mark emphasizes, he really brings out in this account the confidence, the boldness of this. He's a blind beggar. 
He's a blind beggar we're talking about here, and yet Mark really emphasizes his boldness in Christ. To begin with, he will not be silenced. He cries out to Jesus, and even when the crowd tries to hush him up, nope, he's not going to hush up. He speaks out confidently. And then when Jesus calls for him, notice what Mark says, he throws off his garment. That action implies boldness, right? Those who are, who are afraid, who are timid, they, they tend to hide, crouch under their garments. Kids have these hoodies these days. Sometimes they pull the strings up so there's just a little hole left and you're kind of hiding in their hoodie. But this man doesn't hide in his blanket. He throws it off. He stands up with confidence and he walks. He's blind. He's a blind man, but he stands up with confidence and walks to Jesus. Confident of who Jesus was. And when Jesus asks, what do you want? Again, he doesn't hesitate, but responds with boldness. That I may receive my sight. He doesn't doubt that Jesus is able to do it. He's not sure if Jesus will, but he doesn't doubt Jesus' ability. He knows what he wants from Jesus and speaks up. But all the examples of his boldness, of all the examples of his boldness, the greatest is what he cries. Because he doesn't just cry Jesus or Jesus of Nazareth, does he? But he cries out, Jesus, son of David. He's not shy in naming Jesus for who he is. He is confident in who Jesus is. Son of David, Messiah, the promised one. This is rare in the Gospels. Even among those who come for Jesus, come to Jesus for help, few of them are willing to name him as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the Son of David. In fact, in the Gospel of Mark, this is the only time he is called the son of David. In some of the other Gospels, it happens a couple more times. The Canaanite woman is a good example. And there again, you have another example of somebody who is confident, who is bold in faith, right? Jesus even praises her faith. Look at the, look at the faith of her who asks of Jesus and, and won't back down, just like this man here. Uh, on Palm Sunday, they call him the son of David. And there's <clears throat> one more account where two blind men earlier in Jesus' ministry call him son of David. But that's it. Not many people are willing to take that stand and name Jesus for who he truly is. But this man is. Even when the crowd tries to hush him, oh, don't speak up. Well, why, is, why is the crowd trying to hush him? It could be, it's possible, that the crowd is <clears throat> trying to hush him because they think, well, he's a blind beggar. He's not worthy of Jesus' time. But there are many other poor people uh, beggars who come to Jesus for help, and we don't often hear about the crowd trying to keep them from Jesus or trying to hush them up. I think it's more likely the reason the crowd is trying to hush him is because he is naming Jesus for who he is, because he takes that stand on the truth of Jesus, you are the son of David, and the crowd's not so confident about that. Whatever their reason, the fact is they do try to hush him. They too try to silence him, but he will not be silenced because he is confident in whom Christ is. You are the son of David. And when they try and hush him, he just cries out even louder, Jesus, son of David, I know who you are. And he finds his confidence. He takes his stand on that truth. Satan would love to get us to doubt the truth of who Jesus is, wouldn't he? 
He would love to cast doubt in our hearts about who Jesus is because once we doubt the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, it's so easy for Satan to lead us wherever he wants us to go, to lead us around like a horse with a, or a cattle with a, thing in, a ring in its nose. Ephesians 4.14, Paul reminds us, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. This blind man, he's not carried away, carried around with the whims of the, of the crowd. When the crowd tries to hush him, he stands confidently in Christ. And Paul calls us to do the same, to grow up in the knowledge of Christ, in the knowledge of who he is, in the knowledge of his word, so that we can stand firm in Christ, in that confidence. And standing firm on that word of God, Satan is not going to be able to move us. But if we remain children, unaware of who Jesus is, doubting who Jesus is, oh, Satan can lead us where he wants, toss us back and forth. We will we'll be so apt to just follow the crowd and what they want instead of standing firm on Christ. James reminds us of the same thing, James 1, 6 and 7. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Uh, James might have been thinking of this very example of the blind man when he wrote that, might he? Because if, if that blind man had given in to his doubts, if he'd followed the desires of the crowd, if he'd remained silent, he would have received nothing from the Lord. But because he took his stand firmly on whom he knew Christ to be, he received God's grace. We can look back we can look back on the history of the world and we see so many examples on both sides. So many examples of those who doubting, giving in to their doubts, not just that they have doubts. This blind man may have had doubts too, right? But he doesn't give in to them. He, he acts on the confidence, on the faith of who Christ is. But we see many examples of those who give in to their doubts and lose. Right? From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, right? Satan convinced Eve to give in to her doubts about who God was and what he had done for her. And giving in to that doubt, she was led away by Satan and all the troubles of the world came from it. Or King Ahaz. King Ahaz, talk about somebody who really lost out because he wouldn't stand confident in, in who his God was. King, remember King Ahaz, the prophet Isaiah came to him and said to King Ahaz, ask, ask anything anything of God and he will any sign of God and he will give it to you imagine having that opportunity that God says to you you can ask any sign you want let me see heaven let me see Christ sitting on his throne what a wonderful thing that would be but Ahaz gave in to his doubt and what did he respond he said no I won't tempt the Lord he lost that grace he lost that opportunity to see the wonderful works of God We've got Reformation coming up. I mean, there's a good example from uh, the history of Reformation. The difference between Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon. Philip Melanchthon was Luther's right-hand man. He was the one that everyone thought would, would take over in leading the Reformation when Luther died. 
But Philip Melanchthon was one carried back and forth by his doubts. He wasn't willing, like Luther, to take a firm stand in the knowledge of who Christ was. He said, well, maybe the Catholics are right, maybe the Reformed are right. And consequently, he was pushed back and forth. One day he would say one thing, one day he would, the next day he would say another. It caused a lot of confusion, a lot of problems in the Lutheran church after Luther's death. This is what doubt does in our lives. This is what giving in to our doubt does. On the other hand, on the other hand, we have examples of those who didn't give in to their doubts, like Abraham. <clears throat> the Sunday school kids are learning about Abraham uh, last week and in the, in the week to come they're going to hear about Abraham. But you remember how Abraham stirred firm in his knowledge of who his God was when he was praying for the city of Sodom. He didn't give in to his doubts, but he kept asking uh, if there are 50, if there are 40, if there are 30, if there are 20, if there are 10. And received God's answer. Yes, 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 the grace of God. Because he didn't give in to his doubts, because he stood firm on his knowledge of God's mercy and God's grace. Or, or Moses, right? Who walked up to the, the, sea, the Red Sea, and at the word of God, stretched out his hand over it. Just imagine, imagine God telling you, go, and everyone's watching, right? All of the children of Israel are watching, and God says, go and, and stretch your rod over the sea, and it will part. Imagine Moses walking up there to stretch his hand out, how easily he may have doubted and thought, well, this looks pretty foolish, but he didn't doubt. He stretched out his hand and saw the Red Sea part at the word of God because he, he stood firm in that promise of God or, or Joshua who walked around the, the walls seven days. We could go on and on of those who <clears throat> didn't give in to their doubts but put their confidence in Christ and became heroes of, of faith. And now this man here in our text, this blind beggar, he becomes one of them. He becomes numbered among Moses and Abraham and Noah and Joshua because he wouldn't give in to the doubts. He wouldn't give in to the hushing of the crowds, but he stood firm and confident. I know who this man is. He is Jesus, the son of David. He is the Messiah. Easy for me to drive you out of the church, but only if you give in to your doubts, right? If you're confident that I would never actually swing this at you, you could sit there and laugh at me if I tried. When we stand confident in Christ, Satan cannot drive us where he wants. Where is it that this blind man receives such faith, such confidence? Well, it's evident from our text that it's not because he saw Jesus or his works. He's a blind man sitting and begging near the city of Jericho. You know, when we talk about the apostles, we might think, well, they have an advantage, right? Because they saw the miracles. They were there. They witnessed it with their own eyes. They saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Lazarus come out of the tomb. They saw Jesus after the resurrection. So we may think, well, well they had an advantage over us. But this man doesn't, does he? He didn't see Jesus. He was blind. He only heard about the wonderful things that Jesus had done. He learned about Jesus the same way that we do, by hearing the good news of what Jesus had done. 
And it's through hearing that word that the Holy Spirit created faith in his heart and gave him the confidence to stand. As Jesus, John 17, 8, Jesus is speaking to the Father in prayer. And Jesus says to the Father, I have given them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. It's by hearing, it's through hearing and hearing by the word of God that we're able to receive such faith, such confidence. It's God's word alone that can create such faith in our hearts. As Hebrews 4.12 reminds us, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit. This man's faith came by hearing, not by seeing. And yet, he shows greater confidence, greater faith, even than the apostles. The apostles give in to their doubts often, but this man will not be swayed. And notice what, notice what this confidence, this faith in Christ, leads to in his life. The last verse and a half of our text Jesus says to him, to the blind man, he says, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And what does the blind man do? Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. And we receive that gift of faith, <clears throat> having stood confidently in Christ, the blind man says, My way is now Jesus' way. I have no other way. Jesus says, Go your way, and the blind man says, my way is to follow you. You know, at the beginning of our text, Mark tells us the name of this blind man, Bartimaeus. He not only tells us his name, but he even tells us who his father is, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. This is another rare thing in the miracles of Jesus. Most of the time, when we hear about the miracles that Jesus has done, the people are anonymous. It's a blind man. We don't know his name. It's ten lepers. We don't know their name, right? It's the Canaanite woman. Again, we don't know her name. Even in John chapter 9, John chapter 9, you guys know, is one of my favorite uh, accounts. And there we have the account of the blind man, another blind man, whom Jesus healed. And even though John chapter 9, it's a long chapter, and the whole chapter tells us in great detail about that miracle, we never know that man's name. We meet his parents, but we never know his name. This man, we're told his name, very specifically. That implies that Mark is expecting his readers to know who this is. It implies that he's still a member of the church. That he didn't just follow Jesus down the road a little bit, but he followed him with his whole life. This blind man says the same thing as Peter, to whom shall we go? Here's a man who, is, who takes his stand confident in Christ, right? But such confidence, such faith, is not going to last on its own. We know that. We know how easily we can, we can stand confident and firm in Christ one day, and the next day falter and give in to our doubts. It's not gonna, he's not going to remain standing confident on his own, and so he, he follows Jesus. He follows Jesus to be built up in faith. He, he follows Jesus so that Jesus can lift him up when he falls. He follows Jesus to learn about his forgiveness, his resurrection, and through the strength of Christ remains strong, confident, even to the time that the Gospel of Mark was written. 
confidence comes from Christ through the hearing of the word. But having received such confidence, being certain of who Christ is, Satan cannot lead us astray. In him we stand, and through such confidence we rejoice, and can rejoice, knowing what tomorrow and even the day after death holds for us. Amen.